killer bees have relocated their hive. It's at the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, which is currently located at the decoy. Let's join the boys, Joel Blank and Jeremy Brenham. It's your spot to be Saturday all day. Texans uh, play in the afternoon. Get uh, some $2 Modelo drafts if you're wearing some Texans gear, Mexican candy shots all day. And then afterwards, UFC 297, $19 Modelo beer towers, $100 Don Julio bottles. And there is never a cover charge for UFC and boxing events at the decoy. Great spot uh, to watch your UFC, your boxing, your Texans. Visit the decoyhtx.com. Reserve your spot now. They're going fast. The decoy HTX. TX.com. So, found this interesting. ESPN and uh, Blankers gave, gave us the heads up on this, and I, I was reading it uh, a little bit earlier, just before the show. Dan Graziano, who I think is super well-connected. I, I like mm-hmm. reading Dan Gra- Graziano's work a lot. He predicted the seven openings in the NFL. Uh, Bobby Slowick is not mentioned or predicted to, to get a head coaching job in this cycle from Graziano. He predicts uh, Belichick to go to the Falcons. He expects Brian Callahan to go to Carolina, which I find that to be pretty interesting. Yeah, I did uh, he too. has, yeah, because I mean, I mean, who knows his leadership? Like, we don't know. He just doesn't call plays, and like a right. lot of times, whenever you don't call plays, the general public's like, "Oh, that guy can't be a coach. He doesn't call plays." So, like, what if he's just a really good leader and really good culture guy? Like, what if he was D'Amico who didn't call plays, you know? So, I think we do overrate that at times. Like, Harbaugh. Like, what does Harbaugh do in Baltimore? He's been there forever. He's been a really good winner. That texture just said, well, what does Tomlin do? Well, Tomlin's never had a losing record. That's what he does. He, he, yeah. he wins. So, I think we do devalue leadership a lot whenever we're looking for, like, hot shot, offensive, mostly offensive play callers. Uh, the Raiders have Antonio Pierce as the uh, the prediction for them. The Chargers, their predictions Harbaugh uh, so he leaves Michigan Seattle's prediction is Vrabel and then Aaron Glenn's the prediction for Tennessee which I love that for Aaron Glenn I just don't want Aaron Glenn to go to a place that I don't like shout out Nimitz High School uh, and then Washington predicts Ben Johnson so there are your predictions from Graziano who I think is about as connected as anybody I think he does a really good job so mm-hmm. no Bobby Slowick we all agree that we want Bobby Slowick in back, right? Like, there's some people I see on the internets, which the internet's not necessarily real, that, oh, who cares if he leaves? He's kind of in the way. I, I don't believe that. I don't think y'all believe that, right? No, not at all. I, I think that, you know what, I've been on record a lot as saying, look, I don't want him to leave because I-, I just have seen too many horror stories of quarterbacks that are set up to fail because of the fact that you go through multiple offensive coordinators, playbooks, maybe even head coaches, and it just – whether it derails it totally or not, it can slow down someone's progression in their career. And and with as good as it's worked out between OC and quarterback this year, I'd like to see it for another year or, or longer if possible. And I, I think that's a pipe dream. I think your best case scenario is you hope you get one more year out of Bobby Slowick and he does what Ben Johnson did and stay for one more. He's going to get an opportunity sooner rather than later if this offense continues to flourish and CJ conti- continues to do what he does. But he's innovative, he's creative, and I love the fact that he's gotten the most out of CJ and CJ's gotten the most for him out of his playbook. So I would love for him to stay. It'd be ideal. I really, I, with all these opportunities that keep popping up, I look at a Dallas situation. We, I said I thought Tennessee was the perfect fit for him. But I hope that he stays because I think it's best-case scenario for the Texans. 
Yeah, there's no. To me, it's a slam dunk. I don't, I don't even think it's arguable. Like, it, of course, it's the best situation because you have year two. There's you know cohesion. Um, you had a really good year offensively, especially from where you were. You don't really. I don't think that you would bring in a coach that would have different language. Uh, I don't think you would bring in a coordinator who would, like, completely change things up. But things are always going to be different. Uh, I do think when Bobby Slowick inevitably leaves, I think it's 50-50, whether it's this year or not, um, you're going to have to bring in a new offensive coordinator. And when D'Amico does do that, I believe he's going to bring someone in that's as close to Bobby Slowick as possible, that uses the same lingo, that their play calling's virtually the same. Why? Because you're supposed to try to make things easy on young quarterback. You should always be looking to make things easy on your quarterback, period. And I think that's an area where Bobby Slowick kind of gets underappreciated because we don't really see it. We're just like, oh, he's calling this goofy play on first down where he's trying to shovel pass and almost gets intercepted. Or we see a goofy thing where he's trying to run a route with Laramie Tunzel in the end zone. Darn it. Uh, so you, you see some of those quirky things, but what about you know in the building? Uh, and you hear when C.J. Stroud talks about Bobby, although I've never heard C.J. say a bad thing about anybody. Just he gets censored sometimes. But he talks glowingly about Bobby Slowick. So if C.J. wants Bobby Slowick back, I want Bobby Slowick back. Now, I think there is a coin flip chance that he's gone. And if he does leave, who replaces him? Who would you want? It's a great question. I think because of the fact that especially when you start talking about the people that are saying, oh, so-and-so doesn't call plays, doesn't call plays. Bobby Slowick didn't call plays till he got here, and now a year, a year after that, look where he's at. I just look at it and say I don't think they're going to stay in the building. I know that you speak glowingly about Gerard Johnson and his future in this league, and I don't have any reason to doubt you. I just think that you know going from quarterback coach to quickly turn around and calling plays in this system, in this offense, to get the same kind of results and, like you said, to maximize CJ, I'm not sure that's the right move. I'm not even sure that Brian Greasy is the right move. I think that I would Joe's explore – oppor- what's that? That's Joe's guy. He likes Greasy. Yeah, I mean, look, he went from the TV booth to the quarterback coach of the Niners, and now suddenly he's going to be the OC. I get it. He's been in that system. He's seen Shanahan call plays, too. I would look at at, at seeing if, if you get the opportunity, a guy that D'Amico knows, too. But if you look at, like, the Frank Smith, if, if McDaniel's going to continue to call plays in Miami, and every assumption is he is, and you can say that's a promotion, he gets to call plays, and you have a chance to see if he'd be interested in doing it. I mean, I would at least pick up the phone and look that direction. But it's definitely got to be a Shanahan offensive mind. It's got to be, like you said, the same the same kind of system, the same kind of terminology, so that CJ stays in the in his comfort zone as much as he possibly can. Should I make people mad or should I make people happy? You're make them both. Oh, I'll do both, but I'll lead with the positivity. I, to me, it'd be Clint Kubiak. Like that's a name that I like. And the last time we brought up Clint Kubiak, we had a texture. Well, why would you want him? He failed in Minnesota. They were top half in the NFL in offense. It just so happened to be Mike Zimmer's final year. I wouldn't call that a failure. Uh, he's currently San Francisco's passing game coordinator. Like he he know he, he was like raised on that style of offense. So Clint Kubiak would be a name that I'm intrigued by. I would be intrigued by Gerard. I just don't know where he's at in terms of like the apprenticeship of that offense because he's only been in, in it for one year. So if he's like – and he's a quick learner and he's a genius. He's a football mind. Uh, if D'Amico feels like he, he's up to that, then okay. Like I'm, I, I'd be totally comfortable with that. I just wonder if it's a little bit too soon for him and if he hasn't spent enough time in the system uh, for him. Now I'll make people mad. 
how about that uh, that hot shot offense that's going on? Right, and I like your call on Frank Smith, by the way. Uh, that's not a name that I really thought of a whole lot, but you're mm-hmm. right. I do think that guys like to call plays, and I think a lot of times you need to call plays for you to be a head coach, unless you're Brian Callahan. Um, so I would I wonder if he would be intrigued by that kind of move. I would make that call. I, I think it's a really good name uh, to at least call to to at least turn over that stone. But the Rams were great offensively this year, right? I mean, Stafford kind of resurgence. Look what they did with Puka, who was a fifth round receiver, was incredible. Like we didn't expect the Rams to be as good as this. And I know that McVay's the wonderkind, and he's the guy calling the plays, but do you know who the offensive coordinator is with the L.A. Rams? I don't. 36-year-old, hot shot, has been in this system forever, has been in this tree forever, was with Shanahan for, I think, five years. Uh, actually, might be longer than that because it looks like he falls him from Cleveland, Atlanta, to San Francisco. So he, he's grown up on the Shanahan way. Mike LaFleur. Oh, it's Matt's little brother. <laughs> he was the offensive coordinator with the Jets. Yep, Sala yep. fired him, and now he's the OC with the Rams. Of course, he's not calling plays in L.A. That name would make a lot of people mad. But Why? other than the results, and because he, he, was, he was not good in New York, he wasn't good with the Jets. Like, a lot of people would be mad because he was not good with the Jets if they hired him. Other than his results with the Jets, though, it, it makes perfect sense. It really does. I mean, look, and I'll just speak from his brother's standpoint, who also, you know, was lockstep with, with Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan in their careers, along with Salah and others. I think that, look, Matt, when he got out of the shadows of a really bad situation because the overdominant personality of Aaron Rodgers wouldn't let him do what he came to Green Bay to do offensively, the system works. And so if he can be like his brother and he knows the system and he's been in Shanahan's systems previously – there's no reason to believe that it can't work. Like, you don't know what he was up against in with the Jets. I don't think. I mean, think, we do. We do. He, but, he but had I mean, Zach Wilson. <laughs> I was just, that's what I was going to say. I, I mean, I was just going from a personnel standpoint. We don't know what he was up against, not only from an ownership standpoint, but from a personnel standpoint. You can have the best laid plans in the world, but if you've got a guy executing him that can't even execute, you know, mopping the halls at the end of the day in the, in the, the facility, then – you might have a problem on your hands. And what do, you, what do your skill positions look like at that time? So, I mean, I think that he was a scapegoat in a lot of ways in New York but I, because everybody was calling for a lot of change. But I think overall he comes from the system and has spent a lot of time in it where you could do a lot worse, in my opinion. Uh, I think it would make a lot of people mad because you're, you're turning over what you think is a franchise quarterback uh, to an offensive coordinator who is 28th in points per game and 29th in points per game in his two years. And, yes, he did have a young quarterback in Zach Wilson who wasn't very good, but he was also put in charge of grooming that young quarterback who was not very good. So I think a lot of people would have a little bit of fear, uh, maybe a lot of fear, uh, turning C.J. Stroud over to a LaFleur. Now, I think your arguments are sound. I'm just telling you what the reaction would be. I don't and think you the know, reaction would be good at all. I, and you know, I'll take a page out of your book and say you shouldn't care. No, no one should care what what the people think. It comes down to what does D'Amico think? And if D'Amico yeah, be thinks, boring for a radio show, like we have. To no, have I know that. I'm just playing with you because I know how you feel about feelings and and and, and those kind of things. And and look, I mean. Yeah, people in Philadelphia, they might care about how their fans think about things, too, in terms of decision-making and such. But this is really where D'Amico has to be the loudest voice in the room to say either he's, if he's, if he's pro Lafleur, it's because you got to believe, hey, he's seen enough, he knows enough ball, that he knows this kid can actually – or 
could actually do something positive to carry on this this offense the way that Bobby Slowick did, and vice versa. Trust his his feeling too. If if he's not the guy, then he's not the guy. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRMP listener line. Uh, there is a, I guess, a futures bet on AJ Brown, the, the receiver for the Eagles. Where if he to, if he were to leave the Eagles, the Houston Texans are the favorite to land AJ Brown. I hate this idea, but the reason that I hate this idea is because the Cougar, the uh, Cougars, the uh, Texans have a great quarterback. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. And you're back with the Killer Bees inside the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios at the Decoy. Here are the Bees Knees themselves, Joel and Jeremy. Now behave. <laughs> we'll get into the, uh, the Houston Texans being the betting favorite to land A.J. Brown if he were to force himself out of Philly. I'll tell you why I hate that idea. It's because C.J. Stroud. But uh, Joe Joe mentioned a name as a potential replacement for Slowick. Who did you mention, Joe? I tuned you out. I uh, Bill, Bill Lazor, uh, you know, three-time offensive coordinator. His last stop was with the Bears. Uh, Nagy replaced him after eight years, but he is on the staff as a senior offensive assistant. So, like, I, I don't know how familiar he is with the Shanahan style offense either. But, like, besides just Gerard Johnson internally, he would probably be another name. I feel like we get some consideration. And their passing game coordinator, frankly, like that's what Bobby Sloak was in San Francisco. Is there any chance Ben McDaniel's has a shot yeah. at this as well? I doubt it. But ben if you're going to go internal, you have options. Yeah. I, I would uh, – I mean, Ben McDaniels doesn't really come from the Shanahan tree. Like It seemed like he was kept on the staff because he's pretty tight with Casario, and it seemed like D'Amico signed off on it. So I don't think that's the same scheme. Uh, now, maybe he's learned it in a year. Um, and then Laser, Laser, I think, kind of predates <laughs> the scheme. Uh, he was an offensive coordinator like in the early 2000s now at Buffalo. Like We're talking not the Buffalo Bills. We're talking the university buffalo so i don't think that uh you know he was really that that scheme either now maybe he's learned maybe he's changed some ways but uh i would uh, i'd probably poo poo on those uh be, just yeah. because i want somebody from the same exact scheme that's grown up on it that isn't going to change a whole lot and also be good at it lasers probably could give you the lingo and give you the same language but how good is he going to be at it it seems like it would, yeah, be, how se- it would be second nature you know yeah, that would be my concern. I just don't. I just don't feel like they would stay internal with this one. I think that it's such a hyper important position now because you know you have your guy and because he's flourished in the system the way it's been run this year that you want a guy. Yeah, I can see having a guy that's an experienced OC, but is he going to be as innovative and creative and and and, and you know open up the offense as much as the Shanahan tree does? I, I, I just wouldn't expect that. I would think it, it sounds like, and Joe, you know him better than me in terms of watching what he's done in Chicago. I, I just would feel like he might be a little bit more old school. I, I think D'Amico's going to go outside if he has to replace Bobby Sloak, and I think he's going to look for more of that true, experienced Shanahan system type guy. No, I, I tend to agree that like going outside the building to someone from San Francisco or someone he you know is connected to San Francisco in some way, Makes way more sense, but you just you have some guys that at once upon a time were viewed as like the next offensive corner. Even like even Shane Day, like his name used to come up. Oh, it was it's been a while, but like his name used to come up as like one of the next guys in the NFL. He never amounted to that, but it, they have some interesting internal candidates if they wanted to keep it like very 
very close to what it was. 0046 says Josh McDaniels, Casario connection. I see, Gross. I don't see that. Like it's Well, I mean, he's Ben McDaniels' brother. Um, but, yeah, but we know Josh sucks. <laughs> we don't know <laughs> yes, Ben we sucks. Do. I mean, it's true. But we don't need to find out. Coach. I don't think he sucks as an OC. But he I hasn't don't want done anything an without Tom Brady. Eh, I mean, you look at uh, the best year that – What a playoff um, game with Tim Tebow. That's true. He did win a playoff oh, game with Tim Tebow. It. I can't let that slide. He, was, he won a playoff game, the little post route to Demarius Thomas. Rest in peace. Yep. Was it overtime, right? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, and he's, he also got to the playoffs with Mac Jones. Like, I don't think that Josh McDaniels is a terrible OC. I want him nowhere near Houston, though. Like, I'm not, I'm not advocating Me for either. Josh McDaniels to be the next OC. And I don't think he's that scheme. Like, I need somebody from that scheme. Uh, 8755 and also 7151, they say Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, I, I also don't think Cliff Kingsbury's that scheme. I think he's more air, like air raid. I think he's more run and shoot uh, than right. like West Coast, Shanahan type of stuff. I, I think the Cliff Kingsbury thing was kind of they were scratching each other's backs. I think Cliff needed to make it look like he was looking for a job, and then he took an analyst role at USC. And then I think the, the Texans were like, hey, let's bring in this guy with name value that's known for high-octane offenses in a way that we're going to sell to our fan base. We hired Bobby Slowick over him. I don't think the Cliff Kingsbury interview was ever real. I think they were both scratching each other's backs. Now, I'm in, I am intrigued by the Cliff Kingsbury to the Las Vegas Raiders as Antonio Pierce's offensive coordinator. That, to me, is fascinating. That would be a lot of fun. Oh, and he would love Vegas, too. I, I just wonder what, he, what they're going to do at quarterback. Cause I think they would try to trade up for Caleb Williams. If, I, yeah, I, I, think, think. I think they would try to trade up for Caleb Williams. And I, don't think that, I just don't know how realistic that is and what package they're going to put together to get him. But they need a quarterback, obviously, for Cliff to do anything anyway. But that would be, that would be intriguing, to say the least. I think it would just be fun. Like, from an entertainment point of view, it would be a lot of fun. 8532, Eric Bieniemy is OC. He did wonders with Mahomes. I like mm. Bieniemy as an offensive coordinator, but, again, to me, it's not the system. It's not the scheme. It's totally different language. And I don't want C.J. Yep. Shroud completely, like, relearning an entirely di- – not even relearning. Learning a completely, entirely different playbook. I'm with you on that. But if we – just just for the, the thought, sake of the conversation, if you were going to go away from the Shanahan tree and look at guys, I don't think that I would look at Bienemy as much. But I'm curious, do we think that Brady's going to stay in Buffalo now, that, that that solidified – he solidified that job based on I what they – Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, why yeah, would I was leave, just, you know? Like, I yeah, as long as they're willing to take job. him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I imagine they they would be right. Like, I mean, unless they just have a complete meltdown against Kansas City, even if they do, like you know, that's one still. Who thought they'd the be NFL. there? Yeah. Well, what if yeah. Harbaugh or whoever doesn't keep Kellen Moore in Los Angeles with the Chargers? Yeah, he's Moore's had I, I, some he went good from offenses. A really, go ahead, Jeremy. He's had some good offenses. Like he's been number one in the in best offense in the NFL twice, I think. But again, it's different language. Different language. Like I, I am, I am totally all in on the scheme, on the system. I do not want to mess at all with what you've got going on with C.J. Stroud. I agree with that, and I think that just the way – yeah, I guess that, you know, he doesn't get first blame in, in, with the Chargers, but there was enough there for a guy that was supposed to be this up-and-coming name that should be a head coach soon with all this innovative offense that just did nothing with a, with a lot of talent on the offensive side and a quarterback with the Chargers – that I think the luster's starting to wear off a little bit on him. I would agree with that. He he did not have a good year in terms of like his stock 
as a as yeah. either a head coach or as a as an offensive play caller. Now he still has in his bag two like best offenses in the NFL. But then look at the, how Dallas performed without him too. Like, is that a product of Kellen Moore? Is that a product of having like a really good offense in Dallas? So you can start poking holes at that. Nine eight one seven. My dad does not have his phone. Uh, call life alert, but he is 8863. He said, try to convince Gary Kubiak to come back for a year or two and groom Johnson. I love the idea of that. I think we tried to talk Kubiak on, too, when we had him uh, or talk to him from coming back whenever we had him on. It might have been for the A&M job, but I think he would be... It would be, I yeah, think he, he would had, be really good as the OC for D'Amico, and he could groom a couple of guys. He could groom Gerard. If you want to bring Clint Kubiak to be like your co-OC, he could groom him. So I actually, I actually love that idea, quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, that was that was when we were talking about the fact that Jimbo needed to hire an OC, and before he went and, and, and hired uh, Petrino, that we were trying to uh, – it sounded like he was going to go – he was talking to Jimbo and that he might end up being the OC at, at A&M, and then obviously that didn't turn out, and maybe it was better it didn't, but – Look, Gary's a great offensive mind. He's got a ton of experience. I'm sure he'd love to work with his kid again, but I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I think he's probably done. So it'd be really cool, though. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. So we mentioned those odds. If AJ Brown were to leave the Eagles, the odds on his next team, the Texans are the favorite. The Texans are the favorite, and the reason that there's a lot of reasons I don't want this, but the pinnacle reason is because you have C.J. Stroud. Tell you what I'm talking about next. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Back to the Mobile Veritex Community Bank Studios, live at the decoy, and your favorite drive-time sports talk, the Killer Bees. Here they are, Joel and Jeremy. Joe likes that rejoin. It's their time he's played it. Reggie uh, Bullock's going to be out today. He's, he's got a pain in his back. It's funny because he's been a pain in my... Uh, Weedstraw, stop sending us pictures. Do not send us pictures of things. 713-780-ESPN. Do not send us pictures. 713-780-3776. Uh, 6005 says maybe Ryan Day. Uh, definitely a strong CJ Bond. He's a good play caller, smart stop guy. I'm it. sure he could learn the system pretty quick. That's my reaction, too. Why would he leave... Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> coach at Ohio State to be an OC in the NFL. Yeah, and even if you get fired, you're still collecting the check. Stop that. The only way he would leave is Harbaugh route. Like he's looking to get to the NFL. Like that'd be the as a head coach. As a head coach, he's not going to leave the job at Ohio State to be an offense coordinator in the NFL. Maybe he's a head you're coach making, in the NFL. You're making oodles of money in one of the premier jobs in college football, and you're going to leave to be an OC in the NFL. Absolutely not. Yeah, that's uh, that one uh, probably deserves to be on Bad Take Boulevard. Indeed. If I remember it, we'll probably put it on Bad Take Boulevard. Maybe I'll jot it down here in a second. All right, so there's a there's a I don't know why these odds exist, but if you go to bookies.com, which you should be making your bet at mybookie.ag, but um, I mean these sites they like to do this because any action is good action, right? You get people making bets, that means money's coming in. Blah 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 blah. But the favorite to land. A.J. Brown, if he were to leave the Texans, or if he were to leave the Eagles, is the Houston Texans. I know that we talked about, like, yeah, keep that diva out of the room. Like, we don't want him associated with the Texans. Keep him very, very far away from C.J. Stroud, all of those things, which I completely agree with. I do not believe fundamentally that you should be surrounding great quarterbacks with divas that are demanding the football. Now, I think you do that to not great quarterbacks. Like, if you look at the 
like top tier wide receiver movement in the last few years, and y'all can if y'all have some, just jump in. Tyreek Hill went to Miami. Why? Because they felt like they needed to give Tua help because they don't really feel like Tua is elite. Devontae Adams went where? He went to the Raiders. Is Derek Carr elite? Is David Carr's brother elite? No, absolutely not. Look who traded those teams or those players. The Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill. Why? Because they feel like they have Pat Mahomes who can make all receivers look good. And look what he's doing with Rasheed Rice uh, late in this rookie season for Rasheed Rice. And then the other ones that traded Devontae Adams, were, 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 you have Aaron Rodgers. So I believe that when you have an elite quarterback, a great quarterback, that and I do believe that C.J. Stroud is that guy, that you don't surround that great quarterback, that elite quarterback with divas. Because what do those divas do? They demand the ball. You better give me the football. If you don't, I'm going to make this a problem. I'm going to start making noise. I'm going to get loud. I'm going to tell you to throw me the football. Maybe that's what started the whole you know, cracking of the foundation in Philly when A.J. Brown got a little bit pouty with Jalen Hurts like at the midpoint of the year. To me, when you have great quarterbacks, you don't go out and get the diva wide receivers. You leave that to the teams who aren't super confident about who they have at the helm. Now, there's been a track record in the past of some guys that are divas that have had success doing that, but I'm with you. I'm Look, the first first blush when I heard this, I was like, the last thing you want to do with a guy that praises his teammates, always shares the, the, the credit for everything going on and his receivers speak so glowing of, is take a guy that's so me first that he can actually challenge the quarterback that you are going to have as your franchise for the foreseeable future and and absolutely change the culture of your locker room? No, thank you. But, I mean, when I think about it, look, Jerry Rice was a diva. Jerry Rice is the greatest receiver of all time. Jerry Rice and Joe Montana worked out great. Randy Moss. Was Jerry Rice and me first give me the football all the time? More so than you Like, I don't – I don't – like, I I mean – I don't want to make he's, an age joke here, but you saw that more than I did. Like, I just don't remember Jerry Rice being a, no, a problem and, ever. But I think that was in an era where it wasn't like it is now, where the receivers and everybody just feels like they can spout off whenever they want. But Jerry was definitely a me-first guy. Jerry's still a me-first guy, but Jerry's also the greatest receiver of all time. Randy Moss, when he joined you know, uh, Tom Brady in New England, and they had one of the greatest quarterback receiver years uh, in the, in, for a season in, in New England, that wasn't a problem, and Randy was a problem, and he was a diva, but he fit right into that system. So, so and, a and lot also of it think is how good. they acquired him. Like, think how they acquired oh, Randy. Minnesota Moss, dumped like, out. Yeah, exactly. So, like, that's the other part of this. If you could get like a really good receiver who you th- like, super talented, maybe has like the reputation of a diva, but you can get him like on a fifth round pick, then it's worth the risk. Sure. But if you're having to trade two firsts for a diva first, or even one first for a diva receiver who's going to potentially interfere, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, not for me. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that because price, you know, I always bring up in the conversation, well, price matters. And, and if price is you get a steal, and like we talked about previously, whether it be CJ or D'Amico or both, when you see that opportunity as a place and a destination to get out of a place where you've worn out your welcome, you're all over it. The team is obviously not trading you for top dollar because they just need to get out from under you. And, and, and you understand why they'd want to play for you, but you have to consider that as good as that could go, it could go and backfire the other direction, and then how quickly could you get out of it, and could you prevent it from being a total season changer? Because I agree with you. I think all along that when this first started to kind of rear its head about how he was challenging Jalen Hurts and he was going at him and he was pissed off he wasn't getting the ball, and then, yeah, they're buddies, but, but then, oh, we're over it, but you're not. And then it was, was he hurt, wasn't he? A couple times you're looking at that, and it wouldn't go away. I think it definitely was a catalyst in starting the ball rolling in the wrong direction for that locker room. And 
that's the last thing in the world you need when you're just seeing this this total, you know, rebuild going in the right direction turn into success. You don't need a guy like that in your locker room, no matter how good he can still play. But I also just think from a roster build that you don't need to be spending top dollar and premium like draft picks on an elite receiver because you already have a quarterback that's going to bring out the best uh, in his receivers. You saw with like Nico has emerged into a potential number one receiver in the NFL and probably is. Uh, Tank Dell is a third round rookie was having an unbelievable rookie season until Bobby Slowick foolishly used him as a blocker in the box. Uh, like Randy Moss is a good point. But I don't remember Randy Moss being an issue in New England. I understand that he was a diva prior to that, so it's like right. there is risk involved. But the risk was a fourth-round draft pick. Like, that is – that's, that's right. peanuts. That's well, peanuts. you guys are skipping a step, though, with Randy. Remember, he got traded for the seventh overall pick from the Vikings to the Raiders and then was traded from the Raiders to the Patriots for that's a fourth-round right. pick. So he for was a problem pick. for the Raiders because he was terrible and didn't want to be sure. there. Well, so – but it's a fourth rounder, though. So, like, no. But the initial trade, the but the initial trade to the Raiders from Minnesota was a was the bad. seventh overall pick in the draft. So like, I think that goes to your guys' Raiders. points. Like, it, he was a huge diva, and then eventually he became such a problem that a year later they had to move him for a fourth. That's a good, no, that's a good point, yeah, Jeremy. Jeremy. To your point, though, excuse me, just real quick. But to your point, that's why the culture of your head coach means so much too, because sure. you knew going into a Belichick system, no matter what you've been in the past. That's not going to fly in New England's locker room, and, and, and there's tons of reasons why. It starts with Belichick, but that culture translates to the veteran players that weren't going to let it happen either, and that's where you got to believe D'Amico's building that. Do they have enough of those guys in place already, and does D'Amico have that enough that he could control a guy like A.J. Brown? But it, that, that to me also comes into play with the risk. Like, I wouldn't do that for a first-rounder. If you could get an amazing talent for a fourth, okay, cool. Because if it doesn't work, what do you do? You just cut him. No big deal. Like, you cut him loose. Like, I would point to Antonio Brown with Brady, too. Like, Brady wanted to have Antonio Brown. And then what happened? Like, it became a a circus. And he literally left the field during the – like the play of game and they cut ties with Antonio Brown but it was it, it was not risky like you weren't trading high dollar like if if I had CJ Stroud I would never make the Tyreek Hill on the Miami side of it I would not be trading a first and then paying him 40 million dollars I wouldn't be trading for Devontae Adams and then paying him 40 million dollars I would be looking for the great talent that is an issue somewhere else, but I get them extremely cheap. I'm not trading a first for A.J. Brown, but if I could get A.J. Brown for a fourth rounder, okay, let's see how it yeah, goes. No, let's see I how it that. goes. You're right, but you also consider what you got on your roster because now when you know what you got with Tank Dell, you know, that changes the conversation a little bit too because now you've got that dynamic weapon that, that isn't on a monster contract. And, and that helps you in a lot of ways, too, because what you're taking on is one thing about in the locker room. It's another thing about what they're, what they're due to make and how many years they're still due to make it. Sure, Because you get them for a cheap price, but you also don't want to be paying them, like, ungodly amounts of money either. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes without being said. Yeah, you don't want to pay a guy that's super rich, because I think that's part of the risk. Part of the risk is if you were to cut him, you owe him $60 million. That's part of the risk. The risk sure. is what you're trading for, and then the risk is also the price that you would have to pay if you tried to cut ties from that. Like, that goes hand in hand. Uh, right. You can see a guy side- like Brown coming in, though, and saying, I want I want an extension. Part of me being traded yeah, I, is... I wouldn't. I would be out on that. Yeah, be no way. That. I'd be, I mean, I wouldn't trade a first for him. 
And I'm not going to trade a first you. and pay him. I like Oso's idea on the text line. Aside from Nico, I think it may be smart to get wide receivers younger than Stroud. I agree. Like, I want to spend the Texans' money on the defensive side, and then I want to draft skill around Stroud so he can kind of raise them up, whether it's young running back. Like, A-Chan was a third-round draft pick. Could you imagine if you can find, like, an A-Chan clone in the third round this year, how how big a weapon that would be for this offense? Or Tank Dell, he was an early third-round pick. What if you found another receiver on the same tier as a Tank Dell? Just add those guys in who are third- and fourth-round picks. That, to me, is a way better option than, than trading first for A.J. Brown and then paying him $40 million a year. I don't like that from a roster build. I don't like the attitude the diva in the room. Now, if you can get that on a bargain, then we can see how it goes and we can put D'Amico's leadership, culture but, skills at work. And like we always say, too, it's one thing to kick the tires and no, no harm, no foul. If it doesn't work out, just you, part your, you go your separate ways, you're all good. But if you're on the hook, whether it be giving up a lot or having to pay a lot once you get them, then I'm out because I think you already got uh, the, the the makings of a really, really above-average wide receiver room regardless. And like you said, you can draft help if you need it. Ocho, uh, I don't like the thought of A.J. Brown complaining about touches to C.J. Stroud. He's too much of a diva for my liking hard pass. That's, the other point is Stroud's a, Stroud throws to who's open. Stroud's not going to yep. sit there and force it into the hands of whoever his receivers are. He goes through his progressions. He throws to the open man, and that's what I want from my quarterback. I want a quarterback who throws to the guy that is open, not the guy that's crying about the football. Uh, eight seven five five. It's not reasonable to be sending picks off right now. Texans still have holes in rebuilding and, and use draft picks to build for Stroud. Every team has holes. Um, I would agree, though. Like I, I. I you know, I, I haven't thought a whole lot, I guess I have, uh, about what I would want for the Texans with their pick in the early 20s. To me, I, I'm probably a BPA guy. Like, I think that you can fill a lot of these so, so-called so holes on this team kind of in free agency with the money you have to spend. Like, I don't think you have holes offensively. On the offensive line, I don't. Quarterback, I don't. Receiver, I don't. Running back, maybe. But if you bring back Singletary, then I don't. Uh, defensively, you got some holes in the defensive line, but maybe you use your finances to shore that up. Uh, linebackers, nah, not really. Unless, you know, Cashman walks and Perryman you don't feel good about. Toa Toa you don't feel good about. Maybe corner, but you could shore that up in free agency. So it kind of depends on how free agency goes, which happens before the draft on, like, what these needs and holes are for the Texans. Yeah, and signing your own and at what price. And, and, you know, if you can't, then can you find the equivalent on the open market? Because you're right. Look, they got a lot of bargains that have really paid off for them with some younger, more talented veteran players. But, you know, those players are going to look to cash in too. Like Cashman, I think the system fits them really well, like Singletary. I think other guys you're looking at are just going to, you know, try to cash in and make sure they get whatever they, they can possibly get out on the open market. You hope you could keep, you know, Sheldon Rankins and Collins and, and the, the, the D-line that made such a big difference in stopping the run this year and being disruptive, uh, you, you, Stevie Nelson, I think my gut feeling tells tells me he's coming back, but at what price? Because I don't want to overpay him. Because I think there's other corners that you could get. Yeah, it, it's tough to find corner in the uh, in the free agency market. Like there's certain positions where you can find in free agency. Like I think tight ends one of those positions. Uh, finding a starting caliber corner that's that's tough. That's tough, need but Nelson's on the wrong side of 30. Yeah, they need safety help, but Jimmy Ward's under contract. But you can actually save money if you cut Jimmy Ward, cut him. Yep. which is yep. probably an interesting conversation in the offseason. Because uh, there's a couple of those guys. There's there's two or three players where you can save some money by cutting them, where they're on the is two Is Woods deep. one of them? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he is. Yeah, I think you're right. 
I, I think that's something that they're going to have to entertain, too, because signing your own is going to take a good chunk of the money you have available to go get someone from somewhere else. All right, seven one OG asker, are y'all completely out on Pierce? Yeah, I am. Like, I think he'll be on the roster, but I, I don't want Damian Pierce to be on my too deep. He's cheap, and he, you know, if you can make him a goal line back, maybe. But you know, and obviously he has some value on special teams. We saw him run back a kick, but overall, because he's cheap, he'll be on the roster. But if I mean, he's obviously probably looking for a chance to get more touches. I don't think anybody's going to give you anything in a trade, so he'll he'll be back. But I don't see him being a big part of the offense. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. It's time for our car wreck of the day. Brought to you by CarWreckTexas.com. What are you nominating for our car wreck of the day? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Killer bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five.